picture this for a second. You're looking for a hair tutorial, but YouTube doesn't exist. Where do you even go? Where would the natural hair movement be this millennium if it wasn't for YouTube? Hello guys and welcome back to another Yaya video. Hi everyone and welcome back to my channel. My name is Stephanie. Hello guys, it's Choma here, back with another video. Today I am doing the very highly requested wash and go method. And in today's video, I'm going to be talking about all things hair related. And for today, I am talking all things natural hair, growth goals and planning. Is this the year you will see me in a wig? So, if you've been listening to this podcast from the beginning, you'll know that I've made the decision to go natural. And I can confirm that I will be doing a big chop. How big? I don't know yet. But I'm also now thinking of the next step. So, once I've done this chop, what do I do with my hair next? And to be honest, I don't even know where to start. Hi, my name is Leanne Ali aka your resident podcast queen and this is episode five of coiled the natural hair movement in this episode i will be speaking to three natural hair youtubers and influencers to get their advice on transitioning back to natural we have a hashtag called fro friday where we really try and embrace the full afro look without having to manipulate our hair you will also hear the whole experience of my big chop. Just done, we just cut off all the relaxed ends, Ooh, but we're gonna go shorter, we're not finished yet. But firstly, the natural hair movement isn't something that's new. It started in the 1960s over in America. And by understanding the origins of this movement, we can better understand the significance of the natural hair movement and its evolution today. I spoke to Valley Fontaine, been a journalist, a BBC journalist for the longest time, so that's about 20 odd years. But my love and my passion has been natural hair and I started blogging about natural hair and my own hair journey since 2009. And she told me all about the origins of the natural hair movement. We are what is called currently in, I believe, phase two of the popular movement. The first phase was in the 1960s in America and it was very much a reaction to what was then the idea that black hair was bad hair, black hair was wool, black hair was something not to be desired. And um, as a part of these, you know, slave trade um, in the United States of America. One of the rumors is that black women, when they were styling their hair, attracted the attention of the men, the white men, and the white women decided, well, you know what? don't want you to look too good, I want you to start covering your hair. Your hair isn't any good, cover it up. And the black women who worked on the plantations would cover their hair with head scarves. But also anything black, as you know, was negative, was no good, was second class, was undesirable. And with the skin color, hair followed. So black hair had always got a bad rap. And by the time we got to the 1960s, when there was this uh, black power movement in the United States, civil rights movement, and there was this idea about um, loving yourself and black power 
and just being in love with who you are, your skin colour and your hair. And most famously, one of the civil rights activists was Angela Davis. And she was kind of the poster girl with her big afro um, for the, the natural hair movement. But there were women far before her that were already sporting natural hairstyles in particular. The afro was probably the most popular of styles in all different sizes from, you know, from very short to, to very, very big. In 1962, in Harlem, in New York, there was a groundbreaking fashion show titled Naturally 62, which was organised by the African Jazz Art Society and Studios and photographer Kwame Brathwaite. The women who walked the catwalk wore African prints, had fuller figures and wore their Afro hair with pride. The show was in protest of the lack of representation in the beauty and fashion industry at the time and kick-started the Black is Beautiful movement, which normalised the wearing of Afro hair. But what was happening over here in the UK? Black people started coming over to the UK in their masses from 1948 as part of the Windrush generation. But how far was what was happening over in America influencing what was happening over here in the UK? And that was in the United States. But if we look back here in the UK, now this is the interesting thing. So 60s, 70s, that coincides with the Windrush generation who came from the Caribbean to the UK. And if I think about my mother back then, natural hair was normal in 60s, 70s UK. But saying that, the hot comb, which is the iron comb, which you'd put on the cooker, which was gas back in those days for most people, you had the, the live flame, you'd put this steel comb on, it would heat and you would run it through your hair and it would iron out your kinks. So you, they, we weren't straightening it with chemicals at that point, it was done with the hot comb. But again, the hot comb in the 1800s in America was where it was discovered and apparently even then white women were also pressing, straightening their hair with the iron comb, which Madam C.J. Walker started uh, promoting again in the 1900s in the United States of America. So I'm coming back to the UK. So early on, if we're looking at natural hair movement in the 70s, certainly many people coming from the Caribbean would have had their hair natural. But then they were also wearing the wigs, which were made very popular by, uh, again, women, black women in the United States, Diana Ross and the Supremes. All of these women wore these little wigs women in the UK tended to wear those or they would press their hair with the iron hot comb. I'm so glad Valley made this point because when I really think about it, if I look at old pictures of my grandparents who came over during the Windrush generation, I remember, especially their wedding pictures, I remember my grandmother's having pressed hair. It wasn't kinky at all. It was it was smooth, it was slick, it was pressed. I'm not sure if it was a wig or if they used a hot comb, but it definitely wasn't their natural hair texture. Which made me wonder, at this time when black people were coming over to the UK, were they choosing these hairstyles to fit a more Eurocentric look? Or was this just something that was fashionable at the time? I think there's a combination because I think fashion was dictated by Eurocentric ideals. So in the Caribbean, they wouldn't have necessarily had access to, you know, European magazines. And back in the day, um, you know, again, television wasn't necessarily something that everybody had. But the European style, the European aesthetic, the American influence and Black women, 
even back in the in the seventies would model themselves on what they saw of Black America, and you'd only see Black America on telly because back in those days you still would get one Black person on an American program. That's where the styling ideas, I would imagine, came from. But I think people in the Caribbean were very much doing their own thing. They didn't have much access to the outside world. But by the time they came over to Europe, to the UK and the United States, they then started being influenced by the black American women who very much led the way when it came to styling and products that were available to black people in the UK. And would you say that the same pattern followed with the black power movement over in the US and coming over to the UK, especially when a lot more men and women started wearing their natural hair and their afros as a sign of their political values? I think the black power movement in America wasn't as impactful as it was there in actually there they you know they'd been in america for 400 years you've got to remember we were just coming to the uk from the 1940s in any numbers i mean we were here before then in very small numbers but in any big number from the windrush from the 1940s and i think that generation were just focusing on getting by they were young they were just getting work they were getting used to this new environment they weren't in the same struggle although they soon realized that racism was rife and that therefore they were discriminated against but i don't know that aesthetics was the issue i think it was more about housing schooling employment mm. i don't know that beauty was an issue and i don't know that there was this consciousness about the look I think that was going on in America more so. I think that is really important to highlight here that even though the black community in the UK was somewhat influenced by what was happening over in the US during the Windrush generation, black people had it incredibly hard here. Poor housing conditions and lack of work was only the tip of the iceberg. Not to mention police brutality and overt racism which was a day-to-day occurrence. As the years went on and the black community started to become more established, more people were able to work, some started businesses and even owning properties. There was also more access to chemical hair treatments imported from the US. And we saw a real shift from the 1980s from natural hair to chemically straightened looks. But how did we get from that to where we are now? And as Valley describes as phase two of the popular natural hair movement. Well, it's interesting you say that because, again, if you look back at, you know, as I said, the 90s, the 80s, the, the, the relaxer had come back full vengeance. And again, maybe that's marketing. So suddenly, you know, you're not making as much hair from the natural hair movement as you would from the chemical hair movement. So again, in the States and certainly here in the UK, the relaxer, the chemical uh, hair straightener, the, 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 the perm were very, very prominent and were the style to go to, you know, any self-respecting adult modern woman, you know, tended to have their hair chemically straightened. It was the look, it was the way to look. I think that started to change. I would say when social media took a hold, when suddenly you were no longer just living in your silo of where you were from, you could then actually communicate and share ideas with people all across the world. I remember when I first came across, you know, YouTube, for instance, in in 2004, no, 2007, around then. 
And it was just, I was just glued, forget television and radio. I was no longer interested in mainstream TV and radio. There was YouTube. There were black women that looked like me, that had skin like me and hair like me, most importantly, doing all these amazing hairstyles and explaining how they did it and what products they were using. And then there was this sort of, you know, we are not going to be perming our hair anymore. And it's interesting, the difference with the black Americans, as I said, I think their advancement was their, was the, the negative in as much as they were perming their children's hair when they were toddlers. So really? you heard stories of the black Americans, they were perming the baby's hair at, you know, oh. two, three months. So they didn't even get a chance to ever see what their hair looked like. When they were like a year old, their parents were slapping on chemical straighteners onto their hair to make their hair straight. So what you had happening once YouTube and people were able to start vlogging their hair styles and so on, people started realising, oh my God, let me see what my regrowth looks like. Oh, there's a, a kink to it. Let me see how this continues. And thus, for the first time, they were like discovering what their natural hair looked like because they'd never, ever seen it before. I don't think this is the same for women in the Caribbean, in Africa or the UK. I don't think we started. I don't think we had the money. I know certainly my parents never had the money for chemical straighteners. My hair was not straightened as a child at all. But I remember my sisters, my older sisters, my mother used to use the hot comb on special occasions and straighten their hair out with the hot comb. But that was only on special occasions. And the thing is, we knew what our hair looked like. Although we may have started to perm it or relax it when we were in our teens, but we knew, whereas for the Americans, there was this whole, oh my God, I've got kinks, I've got coils, I've got curls, and they had no idea. So there was this wonderful revelation. And then it caught on, other people became curious. Oh, I wonder what my hair looks like if I stopped perming it, if I stopped relaxing it. And thus, there were these wonderful coming of age or coming of hair videos that were on online for all to enjoy and see and that and then we went on the journey with them so when they stopped um relaxing and perming and they were watching the way their own hair was growing then they were also wondering how to style it and what products they should use or not use and how to look after became almost a hashtag how to look after whereas to me as a black woman who was born and raised in the UK and had natural hair till I was 20. The, the concept of how to look after your hair, I don't understand that one. But anyway, that's for another day. <laughs> it's so funny to reflect because I used to watch a lot of relaxed hair YouTubers and now most of them have decided to transition back to natural. Hey guys, it's Sheung Okimi and welcome back to my channel. So as you saw by the title, I will be doing the big chop today. I, um, I have long relaxed hair. I've been relaxed my entire life. This is my first time really seeing my, <laughs> my just my natural hair, like only. So I just thought of that as the norm. Like I never really thought that natural hair was an option. Like I didn't know people did that. Like they just didn't relax their hair. I told myself that I would grow my hair long and I would stay relaxed and stay trying to grow my hair for as long as I could until I felt like it couldn't grow anymore and I felt like my time in this space was done. I now find myself in the same position as them. But as I'm about to go on this journey and relearn how to take care of my hair, 
actually don't know where to start. Like, how do I find YouTubers with similar hair textures to me? How will I know what products will work for me? How do I even figure out my wash day routine? You know, it's gonna be so different from what I did with relaxed hair. So to help me at this part of my journey, I sat down with three natural hair influencers. So hi, my name is Lee. Uh, my Instagram and YouTube is Curl Lee Travel. My hair type, I don't really go by the numbers, um, so I describe my hair as Afro curly. Hey, hi, my name is Yaya. My YouTube name is Yaya, and on my other socials, Instagram and TikTok, it's Ya underscore Asaris. I am a 4A slash 4B, but as I mentioned, I don't usually like to always hair type, but it's entirely up to you what you like to call me in terms of my hair type. Hi, my name is Stephanie, and my brand's name is stephilately.com, and uh, my hair texture is 4C slash 4B. And we talked about their natural hair journeys and their advice for me as I transition. Now I'm exploring a completely different world on YouTube of natural hair. And I don't know if it's because of my search history, but I'm finding that I'm getting served a lot of videos that are all about transforming kinky, coily hair textures to more defined curls or straighter looks. And I'm finding that there seems to be a real trend about transforming kinky natural hair into styles that may seem more desirable instead of letting the hair just be. What are your thoughts on the representation of the natural hair movement as it appears online? On Instagram, it's very much about the whole, it needs to be defined and it needs to be slick and not everyone needs to be slicking baby hairs or slicking their hair back. There's not enough Afro hair represented. And obviously my hair can do both depending on the amount of products I put in my hair. So I like to um, share both textures in my hair. So I want to um, connect more with my Afro girls because the Afro hair is not really being shown. I would agree that there's quite a lot of... Um the more defined curl look uh, that is being promoted or is more trendy and the more kinky hair is is not as as trendy if i can say that uh, unfortunately that's the case um but there's room for improvement like just like with body type it's something that is not within our control because media or social media itself is what controls it Right. So it's up to us as hair influencers to change the script, really. Um, so if there's to be people with uh, more kinkier hair to just push their content out there, that would be great. My hair is not that kinky and I'm not going to come and lie to my, my audience to say, oh, my hair is that when it's not. Right. So it's up to influencer, hair influencers with that coarser uh, type of texture to be the ones to push out that content and make it be known that we are here, guys, <laughs> and stuff like that. That's my thought on that. Um, I would say, I actually agree with both of you guys. So I think when, and before we started, Lee did mention that she tries not to use the hair typing system. And I do find that the hair typing system can be a bit toxic at times, only because a lot of the times, most people's hair does not fit into one category. Like, when I first started my natural hair journey, I felt like my hair was a bit looser in some areas. 
and tighter in the back. As my hair's like grown to a different length now, it's now changed. So I don't really know what category I usually fit in. I usually do mention when people do ask me, I just say, I don't usually like to categorize myself, but I'll put myself in a 4A, 4B if that's like helps people understand what kind of hair type I have. What we're actually talking about here is texturism. Here is Dr. Cadian Powell, who you'll remember from episode one, to tell us a bit more about texturism, where this idea originated from, and its significance still today. Texturism refers to the discrimination of black hair texture. Those with hair textures that are closer to more coily, what we would call kinky, tightly curled hair, are discriminated against or their hair is seen as inferior in terms of beauty, femininity, desirability, value when compared to looser, curlier, more wavy, coily textures. And as we know, it persists to this day. Um, We see it play out in all sorts of ways in social media, in the workplace, uh, all over. But it does have its roots in that respectability era because women who had a looser texture were one seen as more feminine. They were able to climb social classes a little more easily and marry into middle class or um, upper middle class, especially within Black communities. And in some instances, with some work, some of those women were able to pass in white society and try to live as white, even though they were Black. So yeah, that texturism does have its roots in that respectability era. Unfortunately, the the whole natural hair movement has now created another issue because then we have the whole texturism thing. And, you know, a a 3A, 3, what is it, the the hair typing system. Again, I don't believe in the whole hair typing system. Again, you know, put certain products with certain hair types. Well, it depends what you're trying to do. It depends what the aim is. There is no such thing as how to look after or how to do. It depends what you want. I I think is the, and doesn't mean that because you want it, you can have it either. You know what? Up until now, I thought, you know, there's a hair typing system. You're either a one, two, three or four. And there are subcategories within this. But as Yaya describes, this in itself can actually be quite marginalising. And as we learned in episode one, Afro-textured hair has actually been more of a marker of blackness than skin colour. This conversation has really opened my eyes in terms of what to expect going natural and the standards that we still perpetuate onto ourselves within the black community. I mean, personally, from what I remember about my natural hair, it is coarse and it is thick and kinky. And I don't think I'll have the soft wavy curls that I often see on Instagram and on TV. And you know what? That's fine. With everything that I've learned so far on my journey, it's really made me understand that all hair is good hair. These attitudes can be changed within our society through better representation. Which is why I love the content that influencers like Lee, Yaya and Steffi create. And the fact that they champion those with kinkier hair textures. And I would love to see more of this. 
do you have any advice for me as I transition and go natural? Because I'm going to cut it. I don't know how big this big chop is going to be, but it's, it's going to be a chop. But my, now I'm thinking like, hmm, I actually don't know what I'm going to do with it once it's been chopped. So I'd love any advice. First of all, Yay. <laughs> I was not saying this at the beginning of this podcast, by the way. I was like, mm, I don't know if I, I don't think I'm going to cut it, but I'm going to, I'm going to cut it now. I think that's exciting. Whether whether you chop it or not, or transition. Like I said, I at the beginning I transitioned, and then I did the chop because I needed to build myself up. But it's a self love journey, so definitely just love who you are and your hair, the different textures. You're gonna see the different stages. And I know one of you was saying about not being a product junkie. Obviously, different products work differently with different people. It's just finding the right regime. So wash, condition, deep condition, just to build up that strength, uh, build the strength of your hair, whatever products it is that you use. My piece of advice would be, um, as you are going and embarking on this beautiful journey, I would say that just know why you're doing it. Do it for you. Don't do it for anybody else. Do it for you. Understand, okay, this is what I've intentionally set up myself for. And then with experimenting in the beginning with products, obviously for you to find what works, you need to try different things. But then don't get caught up in products. It's not all about the fancy products or the name and whatever. Find what works for you. You will know because your hair will tell you I would say the most important thing is just to give yourself some grace. <laughs> there might be some times where you feel like you want to do your hair and other times where you don't. Don't get frustrated by that. <laughs> Not everyone, even the, in, the influencers that you see wants to do their hair every single day. Um, another thing that helped me a bit different to what the other two girls are saying, um, I signed up to a subscription box service and I think the one I signed up to is called Treasure Tress. And I kind of just signed up to it because I wasn't sure. I had no clue. I was looking after my relaxed hair, but the products that my relaxed hair liked, my natural hair didn't. So I signed up to the boxes just to try out a few products, just to see whether or not I liked them. And then once I found the products I liked, I just cancelled the subscription box and stuck to that. Um, I tried some protective hairstyles as well. That really helped. Um, I did my hair a lot in um, two French braids throughout my transition period it just helped me put my hair away but also allowed me to you know keep the moisture in so as I was growing my hair up I didn't have my hands in my hair as often so I popped it away you know took it out when I needed to do it and then popped it right back and then eventually my hair started growing because I wasn't you know causing any breakage and then I was able to just do the transition when I was comfortable and ready to wow this has been so useful I mean, the top tips that I'm taking away is don't be a product junkie, learn what your hair likes, and most importantly, be patient. Obviously, there is so much more to the process, but I also think we don't have to overcomplicate things. I'm really learning that natural Afro hair does not have to be as complicated as we've been led to believe. And dare I say it, I'm feeling a little bit kind of excited about starting afresh. Now my journey is one of transitioning and I know a lot of black women can relate to this but this isn't the only narrative when it comes to the afro hair journey. What if you are someone who's been natural your whole life and you didn't do a big chop to transition from relaxed to natural? I spoke to producer Sylvie about her hair journey as she's been natural her whole entire life and has done the big chop a couple of times now but not to transition so I wanted to see what I could learn from her. 
Growing up, I loved my hair. I had a complex relationship in terms of, my mum didn't know how to cane row. I'm gonna throw this out there now. She doesn't, she still doesn't know how to cane row. So for the main part, I had a really good relationship with my hair. My dad had dreadlocks, so I grew up even playing with my dad's hair as a kid. So I was always accustomed to Afro hair. The one thing I will say is my mum doesn't have Afro hair. My mum's got thin, wavy hair. So for me, in terms of what my mind knew as a child was Afro hair, my mum didn't have Afro hair. They weren't tight, coiled curls at all. Very loose, very wavy. For the record, my mum is black. She is from the Seychelles. She's a Creole woman. So my dad has always been very proudly black. I think we'd always been empowered. Like I said, I used to play with my dad's hair. I was surrounded by black friends. I'm born and raised in London. I only realised maybe after university that, hold on a second, these are really white spaces because I had been completely sheltered in being around black and it being the norm that I only got the culture shock, ironically, when I became an adult. I will say one thing though, you know, you'd see the adverts and even on your products, the dark and lovely, soft and sheen, the products would have the relaxed, straight ass, bone straight hair. And I looked and saw my mum with that sort of hair because my mum used to straighten all blow dry. And I was like, okay, cool. I, I want that. It wasn't that I was ashamed of my hair, but I want to try that. And my dad just nipped that in the bud from the jump. So my mum was like, okay, hmm, I'm, I'm open to it. My dad said, later, my child is a black child. No, my dad was very, very adamant that children would be children. So when I say that, I didn't have the blow dryers, I didn't have the straight hair, I didn't even have the braids with extensions. And my dad said, no, I had the doo-doo plaits. I taught myself how to cane row because my mum's, it was diabolical, mate. She was, <laughs> she was messing up the whole set. <laughs> so don't get me wrong, there was a stage where I was like, oh, I really would, I, I want straight hair. But my dad nipped up in a bud so quickly that it wasn't even a, yeah, I was upset about it for a week. And then it was like, okay, it's cool, cool, back to the program. So my best friend at school, Tunisia, she always had Afro hair. So we had cane rows and our hair out, brushed out into a high Afro, had the lollipop hanging out. And that was it. That was our hairstyle. And I kind of feel that because we were both doing it, and this is what we talk about representation, because we were both doing it, it didn't seem we weren't the odd ones out or missing out on anything. We were just two black girls rocking what was natural to us. Mm. I think you've hit the nail on the head though and it's really interesting to hear you talk about your experience because it is basically the polar opposite to mine <laughs> growing up in predominantly black spaces and blackness being the norm for you embracing who you are and your hair in its natural form was not even a question it was just always something that was constant within your life whereas for me it's something I had to learn over time because I was raising predominantly white spaces mm. and I think that just goes to show how important representation is because as you were saying as well it's only when there is you saw representation on like the relaxer boxes or in the media or like other people around you with different hair that you actually thought oh maybe I want to change but then as you said that was very quickly nipped in the bud. Tell me about the first time that you did the big chop and why did you do it? So, okay, so my initial one, ugh, let's not. <laughs> no, we will, we will. <laughs> I was in college, I must have been 18, so I'd always had, like I said, long, frizzy, bushy hair. I, I'm, I'm full of the frizz, I rock with the frizz. But I want to say that Riri, Rihanna, man, she gassed us up. Oh, and the worst thing about it is I'm pretty sure her <laughs> was a wig. Was it a wig? That short pixie haircut? Oh, that was not her real hair, I'm pretty sure. Well, yeah, none of us, none of us really caught on with the program. <laughs> also, I, I dibbled and dabbled with weave, and I still had the same face like you, 
once the hot combs come out and I was straightening the hell out of my head towards mm -hmm. my curl pattern going messed up. Do you know what I mean? Even natural people still have those horror journeys where you look at the before and after picture. But I'd hit 18 and I think I was also making a conscious effort not to straighten my hair as much because I'd really wanted my curls and my afro to come back more. So I dyed my hair blonde and I told my hairdresser, like, I, I want that Rihanna haircut, I want a Rihanna haircut. He said to me, Sylvie, to get a Rihanna haircut, we're gonna have to relax your hair. And this is the thing where I was always so against relaxer. Once my dad had shut that down, I said, no, I don't relax my hair, it's not for me. Even as an adult, I said, because at that point I was out of the house, I could do what I want, it's your business. But I said, no, I don't relax my hair, I don't wanna do it. So shot my hair and then he started, so he started cutting it and then would straighten it with the hair straighteners. And I remember I looked in the mirror and I went, this is so ugly. Basically it was T, it was like more to Tebow's TLC than <laughs> Pixie cut Rihanna. And I'm talking about like the proper curls and flicks and the, uh, it looked, it looked like a mullet a bit. It was chunky, very chunky. But for me, that was the end of my world. Slept on it more, thought about it more. Was so stressed out. I think I went back and I said, just take this off, take this off. He was like, take, take the colour off. I said, shave it all off. I hate this hairstyle. And mm. I just shaved my whole hair off and I cried. Cried so much. I felt ugly. Why is it so emotional for you? I had an attachment to my hair. Even though it had been cut and I felt like I was doing it for me, I'd had such an attachment. And I remember I'd also gone through a phase of weight gain. So I became really ill. There were so many things that came into just me feeling ugly and I think the hair just happened to be the final piece. It was like the last thing that I had left of me that was the old me, hair. So to then sort of mess up that aspect of my identity, I just said cut it off. I was so sad. And then ironically, 10 years later, I sit at home and shave my hair off myself and adore it because I just feel so empowered and my relationship with hair is... Hmm so different hair is no longer a main a main thing and i no longer feel like i need to hide behind it so guys it's the night before i'm gonna do my big chop and i thought i was okay with it i mean i am okay with it but i'm just feeling very nervous kind of anxious I'm looking, I'm like, I keep looking on Pinterest and Instagram and stuff for like inspiration for short hairstyles, but I genuinely have no idea of what I'm gonna look like. I have no idea whether I'm gonna like it or not. I have no idea what I'm gonna think. I just don't know. But I just need to remember the whole point as to why I'm doing this because I feel like I need to just shed literally shed this idea that I associate long straight hair with being desirable I don't need it I don't need it I am I am I am the thing I am desirable just as me for me my hair it will grow back if I need it to but yeah this is just something I need to do for me as apprehensive as I am now I'm really hoping tomorrow I'm gonna feel like I am like I am that girl you know because I am yeah we shall see people we shall see
say, yeah. I was more nervous than I was letting on. But before I knew it, I was heading down to Ealing in West London to meet with none other than Derek Clements, who we met in the very first episode of this podcast. He is Splinter's alumni, international hairdresser extraordinaire. I mean, he styled over 30,000 women's hair. So I thought, I've got to be in safe hands here. So this is what went down when me and Sylvie hit the salon. Leanne's sitting in the chair. So tell us what, what look are you going for? You know what, I was searched on Pinterest last night and like Instagram and I just couldn't, I didn't really know what I was looking for. But then I saw Gabrielle Union did the big top recently and it actually looks really nice. Like, I don't know if my hair can do that, but I like it. Um, so yeah, she's got a really, it's like a short, yeah, short look, really textured curls, really defined curls. To be honest, I don't know if my hair can actually do that. No, of course it can. But, I think you like the curl yeah? rather than the cut. Is that sure? I think you like the okay. So, so what people do in in life, people, people are she, the imagery is what you like. The image, it's a beautiful yeah. woman, which you are. In fact, you look exactly like this. So I think you like the imagery because you're not even. There's no style there. Yeah. I mean, it's not a cut as such, really, is it? Just a bunch of curls. Yeah. And on a pretty woman, black woman, I may add. Yeah. I, I, am I right in thinking? Because obviously Derek needs to see how much of your hair is, na- yeah, how much natural hair you've got. You ideally want to keep as much of the natural texture that you have. Yeah, but I don't mind going a bit shorter, okay, I don't think. Because I think I've got quite a lot. You're the right track. I think it's going to look great. That's a, I love this. Yeah? That's why I, I said makeup. I love this. Yeah. Obviously, it's a lovely look. Okay. Texture is nice. So that's achievable, definitely. Let's do it. Yeah, that's achievable. That picture yeah. went high. Yeah. <laughs> Before we go into the chop, let me just describe to you guys how my hair was pre-Big Chop. So the last time I got a relaxer was about a year prior to this chop. I had about two inches worth of natural hair growth. The rest of it was limp relaxer ends. And the way I used to style it in my quote-unquote protective style was two cornrows going down the sides of my head, which I thought was called a braided crown, but Derek just used to like to refer to it as my Viking look. <laughs> so he took out the Viking braids and had a look at my hair. Right. So we're going to check my hair now. This is really brilliant. Yeah, the texture out. feels good. Oh, my it's real now you're getting the viking braids taken down like talk, talk us through your inner chair <laughs> I, I don't know i don't know what to say I've, I, I, I mean it's I, I mean leanne has been struggling evidently because i don't know what to do with it she hasn't and she hasn't yet found her look Exactly. So? Imagine, I tried to do a twist out on Monday. I washed my hair and I was like, I, try, I took out my braids. I tried to do a twist out and it just didn't work. I know it's because I got multiple textures up in here. You can't do a twist out on... But I was hair. like, I don't know what I'm going to yeah, do with it. So as you can hear, your girl was struggling. I just didn't know what to do with my hair when it was in these multiple textures. But one thing that I did not expect was the texture of my hair after I've washed it. Like, I was so surprised. 
I mean, obviously, I wash my hair all the time, but I feel like I've never seen my hair like this. I've, I've got actual curls. Like, <laughs> it's been so long since I've seen my hair like this. Like, it's nice. I didn't think my hair could do that. And you'll notice when I'm speaking to Steph, Yaya, and Lee, the natural hair influencers, I kept saying this thing about, oh yeah, on YouTube and Instagram, there's this whole thing about showing defined curls, but not all hair can do that. And I was convinced for some reason that my hair could not do that. I don't know why. I guess it was just because my natural curl pattern was so foreign from me because I had been relaxing my hair for so long but I was really just amazed. Like, black hair is truly so versatile and so magical. And to be honest, I can't believe I had deprived myself of this experience for so long. Just done, we just cut off all the relaxed ends. I'm just touching my hair for the first time. It feels like a baby's hair. It's just so nice and soft and natural and how it should be i suppose oh but we're gonna go shorter we're not finished yet but it didn't end there we went shorter and shorter and when my man got out the clippers boy honestly you should have seen my face because i was not ready i've never had pair of clippers so close to my skin I did not know what I was in for and Derek of course turned me away from the mirror so I felt like I was on America's Next Top Model when they were doing the makeover challenge and I couldn't see the finished look until the very end. I channeled an actress. this morning you said you could cut my hair off i don't care i'm scared i'm like scared i'm not gonna be able to pull it off oh my god Jada. sorry i'm so lost you got the screen oh my gosh is that, is that my hair wait let me look at it again oh my gosh it's so curly Best believe this level of shock lasted for our goods at least 20 minutes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my god. I don't know. I don't actually recognize myself. I look like a different person. I can't stop looking at myself in the mirror. Like, I can't believe I came in here with long hair and I'm to come out a different person. Like I've never, I did not think my hair could do this, which is the maddest thing. I did not think my hair could look this curly. I just thought, I don't know, like when you like watch all the YouTubers and stuff, I just thought my hair doesn't do that for some reason. But now I know that it does. It's gonna get some techie used to, I'm not gonna lie. And I don't know what my mom's gonna say. <laughs> but I, I, I think I can, I think I can get with this. So just to describe the finished look, Derek cut me a really nice shape. So I've got short sides, short back, a fade, if you will. I think they call it a tapered look. And I've got about two and a half inches on the top of my head, which is just my natural hair. So, I mean, it's not quite Teddy Braxton, but I have to say, girl, 
I just felt like Tony Braxton. I felt like a model, honestly. It was, it's, it's a look. It's gonna take some getting used to, but it is an L-E-W-K look. Speaking truthfully, from your point of view, what are your mum's concerns? I actually don't know, unless it's just this, I think cause her hair, it was damaged and broke off and because i've been able to maintain longer hair i think she sees long hair as good hair but this whole notion of good hair bad hair it's just nonsense like we need to get rid of that whole notion entirely it makes no sense all hair is good hair amen amen and just like that i walked out the salon looking like a completely different person it was such a surreal experience but this is the thing, it didn't stop there. The next bit is just learning how to get used to this completely new head of hair I've got on my head, it feels like. So the products that I'm using to start off with is the Derek Clements hair care system, obviously. And Derek showed me a very, very simple method to just do a very quick hydrational moisturize, which is just spritzing the hair with water which I have to admit, I've literally never done before. Hot and rising, I know I should have known. <laughs> and then mixing the leave-in conditioner with some of the conditioning hair milk, saturating the hair with that, and allowing the curls to, to form and the hair to dry. I mean, that's all I know how to do at the moment. I am definitely going to go back to YouTube now that I know what my hair texture is actually like and find similar YouTubers to me and really try and figure out what other styles and things I can do to find my signature look, I guess. But first, I had to get my family's reaction. <laughs> I don't think they were ready for what came walking through the door on that day. What do you think of my new hair? Radical, but it actually <laughs> suits you. And I, and I thought when you came in with your new hairstyle, I thought, who is this superstar? <laughs> <laughs> Am I a celebrity? You look like a celebrity. I'm yes. a celebrity. <laughs> what, do, what do you think, Lauren? It looks very, very cool. I mean, you look a lot older. I don't mean that to be rude. Like, you looked really young before, but it, it really suits you. I'm not a baby girl anymore. <laughs> I'm so trendy. Yes, you are very trendy. But then again, we always knew that. Don't touch it. No, no, I'm fine. No, I've never felt my hair like this before. How do you mean? It's, it's never been this curly. Oh, ah, because it's natural. Yeah, I've never seen your hair not like have really not straight. Have you not felt my hair before? I was saying that you've got just as much hair as he has now. Maybe a little Not me gassing myself, giggling like Jay from My Wife and Kids. <laughs> I was redoing the most on that day. <laughs> and the real moment of truth? My mum's reaction. <laughs> this is what she had to say. Mummy, what do you think of my new hair? Well, I didn't recognise you when you came through the front door. <laughs> I thought, who is that? That's not my daughter, Leanne. <laughs> Such a dramatic change. But it looks really good. It I really like it. You. Yes, you like it. It's really nice. You, did, you, did, you weren't sure, were you? I wasn't sure. I did say to you, I hope you're not getting too much of your hair cut off because your hair was so long down to your shoulders. 
And when I saw it, I thought, you know what? It actually looks nice short. Yeah? Yeah, I really like it. I want mine done you now. You yours as well? Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell, I'll tell so Derek we're coming e- back. Yeah, it must be so much easier to manage as well. And you don't have to worry about weaves or extensions. It's so much easier to manage. And it's good to go natural. All those girls out there that are having these long weaves, always remember your hair can look just as good natural. That was Bobby's public service announcement for everybody listening. <laughs> so yeah, I cut my hair. Everyone was very complimentary. And that was the end of it. And I lived happily ever after as a natural babes. <laughs> you know I wouldn't play with you guys like that, okay? I'll keep it 100% real. The chop was nowhere near as bad as I thought it would be. And it took a little while to get used to seeing myself with this new look. But I, I started to grow to like it a lot more over the next few weeks. But this isn't the last episode of the podcast. This is not where the story ends. Because like I said, this whole next stage of learning what my hair likes basically all over again. It was a whole different thing entirely. Like, I want you guys to hear every step of that journey because... It's not easy, you know. It's actually not. It's actually not easy at all. Um, some things worked, and some things didn't really work so well. Right. So today I'm going to attempt to do a little twisty twist out. So my hair is nice and wet. I'm just gonna put the moisturizer on, and um, I've really gone back to YouTube now following this tutorial the eco styling gel and what i'm doing is working that eco working this eco styling gel all through the shortest pieces of the hair Mm. in a circular motion to create a curl pattern and then i go above that to the hair that's just a tad bit longer and make thicker curls and i will do that all across guys i really tried to set my hair in rollers and it completely just flopped so i'm just here with my phone slide I gotta bring my hair back to life. Right, let's end on that one, let your hair grow out more. So, one thing I'm learning is that my hair loves water. This is why I didn't realize before, this is how my hair used to behave so much differently. So now I'm doing a little spritz, spritz, spritz every day. Get myself some hydration for the nation. Do that again. Oh my gosh. I'm in need of a fresh trim and I am trusting my dad who has... How long have you been cutting your own hair now for? Uh, 20 years. Oh, that long? And I'm still nervous, but here we go. Let me try not to panic. I hate the, I hate the sound of the clippers in my ears. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I'm not mad impressed. Practice makes perfect. Yeah, this is good. This is nice. So, guys, I'm not going to lie to you. It looks like this wash and go look is the only look that I can really rock right now. It's the only one that I know how to do. <laughs> but it's okay. Practice makes perfect. I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep, you know, experimenting. But, um, yeah. It really is a journey. Them lot weren't kidding. They really weren't kidding. the biggest takeaway that I've had from this whole situation is that even despite having a few negative comments I mean mostly positive but a few negative a couple people said I look like a boy I mean I thought 
gender was a social construct anyway so whatever but um I don't think I've ever felt so confident and comfortable in myself which is just insane it just it almost feels like I was hiding behind this the hair that I used to have it's almost like it was shielding me from who I really am and the woman that I that I am trying to be and I've said this word a lot on the podcast desirable I thought long straight hair was desirable what does it actually mean to be desirable for me it used to mean getting validation from the opposite sex and now I mean I'm definitely not approached nearly I mean I don't get approached that much anyway I'll be honest but I'm not really getting approached like that at all with my hair like this but it doesn't even bother me like I'm feeling so confident and comfortable in who I am that it doesn't matter at all because I finally finally realize that the only person that needs to validate how I feel about myself and how I look is me and it took cutting my hair off to get there but I am so excited about about what's to come in the future and what's next for me and I really hope those of you guys that are listening that are considering whether or not to do the big chop do it if you think it's for you I can truly say I've had such a liberating and eye-opening experience my only hope is that the younger generation because obviously I'm hoping that one day I can have a little girl or little girls and I want them to see their mom proudly wearing her hair um, so that they can be inspired to go out there and regardless of whether they'll be bullied at school for having you know curly hair but they'll see that their mom actually rocks that and that's why I've started doing this now um, so that it's my lifestyle it's part of me such that by the time I'm a mom my kids will have the best of me. I wouldn't say my hair is political, but I just try to use it as a way of inspiring others to know that they look beautiful with their natural hair. They don't have to always look a certain way with uh, the Eurocentric type of uh, hairstyle. I'm more an advocate for people just doing whatever they want to do with their hair. Like if you want to cut it short, cut it. If you want to dye it, dye it. If you want to relax it, relax it. Because it's your hair. It's like people can have opinions on what you want to do to your hair all the time. But when you go to bed at night, it's your hair that's on their head and they go to bed with their hair that's on their head. Nearly everyone I know said it was a mistake I shouldn't do it. I just thought that was more of an encouragement for me to do it because I just thought, how can someone else tell me what to do with my hair when it's actually my hair? If your parents empower you, it doesn't really matter. But if you were getting empowered from home and really built up, those things, I'm sorry, they come and go. For me, like they completely come and go. It's a phase. Whereas if you were constantly getting poured into you that who you are is enough and more than that, then for me, it, it, it really helped me. I'd, I'd never had to question. So as you can hear, it's a working progress but I'm really enjoying the process.
Thank you for listening to Coiled. Coiled is hosted and produced by me, Leanne Ali. The assistant producer is Sylvie Carlos. The theme music and closing music was composed by Oni Iroha. If you do anything after listening to this episode, share it with a younger sibling, cousin, friend or anyone you think who needs to hear this so that we can really empower the next generation to embrace and love their afro hair because all hair is good hair make sure you listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review you can follow us on instagram at coiled podcast so you never miss an episode you can also use the hashtag coiled podcast on twitter to let us know your thoughts on the episode what have you learned what really surprised you what are you going to take away from this let's keep the conversation going one love to my people then i'll see you next time